This is our second session now on Ephesians 1, 19-23, and we're focusing a long time, because Paul focused a long time, on the immeasurable greatness of God's power. So Paul is praying, remember, that you may know. This is a knowing not just of a truth that the devil knows, but knowing in a way that we know with the eyes of our heart and thus know the value and the preciousness and the beauty and the glory of the immeasurable greatness of his power. So he's praying that we would know this power. And the most important thing to grasp here, as far as relevance goes, is that it is toward us. That never goes away. He's talking about great things here, but all of them are to show the kind of power that is toward us. We'll come back to that. So he's praying that we would know the greatness of God's power toward us. And this power accords with, and the rest of this is the kind of power that it accords with, and we'll see three more dimensions of this power in this session. So, Father, as we still try to grasp the the grasping that cannot be grasped because it's immeasurable, grant that in some suitable measure for our finite souls, we would know the greatness of your power toward us who believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this power accords with the strength of his might, which we talked about, and particularly he illustrates the strength of his might by showing us what it worked, the working that he worked. And the working that he worked is the resurrection and the exaltation of Christ, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms or the heavenlies. Now, let's focus on three things he says about this great uh, exaltation of God, of, of Christ, out of the grave and at the uh, supreme place of honor and authority in the highest heaven. It is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. So, even though these powers, these rulers and authorities and powers and dominions are in the heavenlies, he's far above them. Let me just point to three texts where, so you'll know the these are in, in Ephesians, negative, evil powers. The first one you see here in the next couple of verses, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the age of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So this prince, this spirit here is one of these uh, rules, authorities, powers, and dominions. And you see him again in 310. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places or the heavenly realms. 
And then the one we saw last time, Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies, in the heavenly places. So these rulers and authorities here that are evil are the same ones that are the rule and authority here. So the point is, when God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, he was supreme, way above all these powers. Now, these powers on earth seem very powerful to us. They can include even human manifestations of evil powers in all kinds of institutional evil. But he is far, far above them. That's the first thing to notice. The second thing to notice is he is also above every name that is named. So what does that add to all the rulers and authorities and powers and dominions? Well, these rulers can be conceived of as raw force, you might say. They just have extreme power through raw force. And we can all imagine running into forces in this world that are evil, especially as they become manifest in human dimensions of sheer raw authority and force. And he's above them. But names, he is above every name that is named. And I think the point there is to stress that around the world, there are religions that exert um, their power through incantations and, um, what words do we say, spells, conjuring. And then there are these demon-like gods, Bel in the Bible, Nebo in the Bible, Artemis, the goddess. And powers can be exerted by saying, in the name of Artemis, I declare this, or in the name of Bel, in the name of Nebo, this is going to happen. And actually, there is demonic reality that you have to face. And the point that he's making is, when God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, he was not only far above forces, he was far above all incantations and spells and conjuring and every kind of magical art you can name. Any kind of name that is brought against God, he's above it. And the third thing is that this is true not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What does that mean? What's the difference between this age and the one to come? D did you notice here in chapter 2, verse 1, a few verses later, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the age. That's the literal translation, same word, following the age of this world. So this world, while it exists, has an age that corresponds to it. That is, while the world exists, we're in the age of the world. When this world is done, 
and Christ comes back and a new world is put in place, you have the next age. You can see that here in Luke 20, 34. Jesus said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, just an ordinary, this worldly age. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead. So that's what marks the beginning of that age, the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So the point is that as long as this world lasts, Christ is going to have supreme power over all rule, authority, power, and dominion. And as long as this world lasts, he is going to be above every name that could be used in an incantation or spell or conjuring against his people. And when this world is over and a new age begins, he says he'll still be in charge, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. In other words, don't worry that in the endless ages to come, in the new heavens and the new earth, that there might come out of some far reaches of the universe, some new name or some new power that could unseat Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. This resurrection power has put him in a position of authority that is above every rule, above every name, and for all time. Two closing points. Therefore, remember, all of that power is toward us who believe. All of it. The whole point is to say all of this power is coming toward us who believe. We saw last time that relates especially to our own conversion by which we are raised with Jesus and seated with Jesus in the heavenly places in 2, 5, and 6. But I want to close with this exhortation and application. At the end of Jesus' life, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth, and he could have said for all time, has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There will be no nation where any name or power is higher than the name of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. doesn't matter what any other teachers anywhere in the world have commanded. My teachings hold sway because I've been exalted above all names and all powers for all time, and I will be with you always. And this I right here is the supreme power and authority above all names, all authority for all time. Oh, my the missionary confidence that we should have is very great. <laughs>